Hey, good morning, y'all. Good to see you. This service is a treat for me. It really is. I just uh, love being with you folks at our early service at 9 a.m. And uh, if you're connected with us online, just want to welcome you this morning. We've got a little bit more light this morning. It's like the Bethlehem star has shown in here. I think, I think this week we, um, we installed a few extra lights. Uh, is that true? Well, it sure feels it. I'm, I don't know if um, <clears throat> I'm also getting tanning done this week while I preach, a double duty. Well, welcome if you're online as well. Good to have you. I, there's a few housekeeping things that we do always right off the bat. And one of them, if you've been with us either online or here, are our connection cards. So would you please um, grab the connection card that may be in the seat in front of you or if you're online, there is um, a link that you can snag and fill out the connection card. So that way we would be um, understanding, hey, we're here, and if there's a prayer item or something that we can know about you, please let us uh, understand that. Certainly, if there is a special item of note or a thought or something that we can be aware with you, please um, help us to know that. We would love that. A few other quick housekeeping things. Um, next Sunday, after the morning worship service, the second, the only service, the 1030 service that we have, um, we have a quick meeting to work through our constitutional adjustments. They're in the back if you need to see them. We sent out an email a few weeks ago. Um, they're, they're nothing earth-shattering, but just um, to help us to be able to operate a little bit more smoothly around here so do note that this Thursday, 6 p.m., we have our Christmas Eve service, as you just saw the special Baby Yoda video for, which I'm sure you were not expecting to see Baby Yoda when you came to church this morning. Just another special surprise service we provide for you at East Bay Calvary. And for the next two Sundays, where we're at right now, is we only will have the 1030 service. You know, with the holidays and people away or having family in, typically... Um, you know, our attendance uh, drops a little bit, so we'll only have the 1030 services the next two Sundays, understanding that. We do have a brand new series beginning on January 10th called Family First, and it's designed to help the home. That's the whole intention. And so all of us are in a home. Even if you're single, you're part of a home, or you connect with homes and families we want to be able to help families, and so um, that starts January 10th. Do understand that and note that. <clears throat> the dressers are back there. Um, they need your signatures and your notes of love and appreciation. You need to hear this, folks. You wonder, what do these dressers do? Well, number one, right now we are connecting with two single moms that are already lined up for two of those dressers that are in our foyer. So as you sign them up, um, two of those we have a relationship with as a ministry. And that's the most exciting thing. They're not going to unknown people. They're going to people that we have a relationship with and that might even be slipping into services here in the near future. So this, these are things we need to be aware of. But we just got this card this week from the Pregnancy Care Center, listen to this. Dear friends, 
I wish that each of you could have been here when our patient picked up the dresser this week that was assigned to her. She was absolutely blown away by it all. The size and quality of the dresser, the handwritten notes on the back, and every beautiful item inside. Knowing about this dresser was very impactful for her throughout her pregnancy and played a key role in supporting her in her decision for life. She's now so excited to parent this precious baby girl who she calls God's gift to us. I'm so grateful for you and honored to witness your love in action. It is impacting lives. Thank you, Jasmine, Patient Services Director at the Pregnancy Care Center. Isn't that awesome, people? That is really special. So that's what this ministry is doing. That's what your ministry your notes and your gifts and so let's let's shop till you drop this is a lady's dream to be able to go back into the pregnancy center or into the the pregnancy part of walmart or target or something like that and and pick up some of those items and uh, and to bring them in here and put them onto the the dressers and so let's get those things let's sign the dressers Let's be able to uh, minister to these ladies in a very special way, and that really is a treat. One last thing we need to be able to do, and I know that they're not in here, they're all around this building, but we have a very special support staff. I'm going to mention their names, and every year our, um, our budget that we work through as a church budgets to give them a Christmas gift. And so this week, they're getting a special Christmas gift from our church family, and it's our support staff. I just want to mention their names publicly. That way we know who they are, and it's Michelle Jose, Wendy Iyer, Sarah Hurley, Matt Hackbarth, Sarah Fischel, Maddie Fischel, and Shirley Bell. These are folks that get special Christmas gifts from our church family. They are deserving of them. And, uh, and we love them. So if you see any of our church support staff, make sure you say Merry Christmas uh, to them. And as we get started with one other thing, I just want to mention a little family moment together. You know, the Church of America has never been more disconnected and disjointed than what it is right now, in my opinion. And business as usual is not going to grow body, life, and community. And even in times of intense persecution, as I look back over even the early church, there was intense persecution. But even in times like that, the Bible mentions words like... um, It talks about their love, the church's love and togetherness and connection and devotion and encouragement of each other. It did so many together and one another things, even when they were being persecuted. And and that was, if you can believe it, that was without phones, okay? That was without Facebook. That was without Instagram, and without FaceTime, and without email, and without text, and without Zoom. The Bible calls us a family. You know, a family. And we must 
insist on a high level of connectivity for everyone. And I realize that there needs to be a sensitivity in our day and a conscientiousness for people's physical well-being. But even with that, we still can have connectivity. We still can communicate love. And these are things that right now your pastors, your elders are talking and immersing themselves in because as I look back personally over 2020, it seems like this is something that really took a hit. It's really been tough. And two priorities that we're going to be talking about specifically going forward in 2020, we're going to be chatting a lot about everyone connected, everyone loved. Even you folks who are online and you're thinking, how in the world can I be connected and loved? These are things we've got to figure out as a church family. Everyone connected, everyone loved. So be praying about that with us, please. If you have thoughts and ideas, share them with us, please. But these are things we've got to be able to do. The church needs to be united now more than ever before. This is a day the world needs the church united. Everyone connected, everyone loved. Okay, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, now there are so many plays and movies about Christmas, you know, who's the star of Christmas, some of you may have been in a play about Christmas you know, there's loads of movies and books. I mean, we've probably seen those, you know, Who Saved Christmas? When I was a teen, you know, you know who saved Christmas when I was a teen? Ernest saved Christmas when I was a teen. I don't know how many people remember that. It's not known for its theological prowess. Ernest saved Christmas. Since then... You just look it up on Google. Since then, Mickey has saved Christmas. Minnie has saved Christmas. Pete the Cat has saved Christmas. Inspector Gadget has saved Christmas. Gecko from PJ Masks has saved Christmas. That's for my boys. Paw Patrol has saved Christmas. Elfie has saved Christmas. Pixie has saved Christmas. Thomas the Choo Choo Train has saved Christmas, and even Elmo has saved Christmas. There's been so many stars of Christmas. All of these people have saved Christmas. Well, today, I'm not going to blow you away with a huge theological treatise, but I just want to get back to the star of Christmas. Who is Christmas saved by? Who orchestrated all of Christmas? Who do we say was behind this master plan? Who grabbed the bull by the horns and made all of this happen? And no offense to all of the above, to Ernest and Pete the Cat and Minnie and Mickey, but they're not the stars of Christmas in our last few minutes, I just want us to recognize the real 
star of Christmas, the main character of the story that without which this whole thing would never have happened. And I know that there's a lot of characters that have been involved. Like just for instance, we look through this thing, there's shepherds, there's magi, there's Zechariah, there's Elizabeth, there's John the Baptist, there's Herod. I know we kind of made this person up, but there's the innkeeper. And I'm sure we can appreciate them all. Some of us have played them in the Christmas play. You know, um, there's Joseph. And we look at Joseph, and he was a righteous man. He, he really worked through things well and biblically, and then the angel came to him, and he did an about-face and did things God's way, but he's not the focal point of Christmas. And then there's Mary, and, and, and I politely say this, you know, here's where some people have mixed this thing up, because... Mary was certainly a pure and upright young lady. However, her song in Luke 1 just sets the record straight. You know, here's where it helps us to realize where does Mary fit in the story. So look at, look at Luke 1, 46 to 47, and this is what the verses say. This is Mary's personal testimony of where she fits in to the Christmas story. This is what she says to the angel. Because Mary says, you know, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. So follow this. My spirit rejoices, look at these words, in God, notice this, my what? My Savior. And so she was not the rescuer. In fact, she noticed it from the very beginning. If we're looking for the star of Christmas, she's noticing and recognizing it from the very moment of conception, I'm not the rescuer. I'm not the savior. God is the savior. And then she goes on, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And she, she says, you know, I'm not the one delivering. I'm not providing deliverance. I need deliverance. And then she understood her part in the overall plan. I'm a servant. She was not the focal point of the story. She was not the star of the story. So who do we look to as the main character? Who is the main one behind the entire Christmas story? And what we're going to do is look at the Christmas account as they say, from 30,000 feet. We're just going to pull back the wide-angle lens and look over the whole thing and see really who's behind the whole thing. And then we're going to finish up with a couple thoughts for us here at the very end. So Luke chapter 1, and here's the main idea. The main idea is that God planned, initiated, directed and completed the plan of Christmas. God planned, initiated, directed, and completed the plan of Christmas. And this is what Luke 1 and 2 show us. So just for a moment, I just want to work through these. It's going to be in a way that we've never done before, but two, two chapters of Scripture in quick fashion and it starts really in verse 11 
with a character by the name of Zechariah. And if you look at verse 11, it talks about the angel of the Lord appearing to Zechariah. Now, here's who Zechariah was. Zechariah is a priest. And he's a priest in temple worship. And, and so it mentions in the verses preceding that they chose by lot who was going to go into the inner part of the temple to do the, the incense, the altar of incense and light that. And so Zechariah actually chose the lot that he was going to go in to the altar of incense and offer prayers to God. And so he was the lone priest. He, he, he picked the lot. He was the lone priest that walked in and lit the altar of incense of prayers to the Lord. And as he was the only one in there, the text mentions the angel of the Lord came to him and expressed here he and his wife in their old age he had been praying, could we still have a child? And the angel of the Lord expressed to him that they would have a child. Now he ended up having this decree from the Lord through the angel, and it was all led by the Lord. It was all led by God. And what seemed to be a chance thing by Lot, as he went in, it was all a God-ordained thing. And then here, as we move down through verses 14 through 17, the angel explains to him exactly what God is going to do. In fact, in verse 13, it says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. And it mentions the, the oaths that he is supposed to take. And so here the angel of the Lord explains and brings Zechariah up to speed. And then Zechariah actually goes through a time of doubt where he, he's like, I can't believe this. Like, how do I know this thing is really going to happen? And then, then the next thing that the angel of the Lord does is, is he, he makes him, look at verse 18. Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well long in years. He's doubting. And verse 19 the angel says, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now notice verse 20. This is what the angel does. And now, I, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And so the reality of this the angel of the Lord ends up expressing to Zechariah that he's going to be unable to speak, like he's mute. And so God made him unable to speak all through his wife Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, I'm sure there may be some women here that are thinking, man, that would have been really nice for me during my pregnancy <laughs> If my husband wasn't able to speak during that, that would have been a big help to me. And he was unable to speak all the way until John was born and was eight days old. Notice verse 26. Pick up, here's God doing more. 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Are you, are you picking this up? I don't think I have to tell you who the star of Christmas is. Here, God sent the angel to Zechariah. God explained to Zechariah what was going on. God made, through the angel, Zechariah mute. Then God sends the angel to Nazareth, to Mary, and explains to Mary what was going to happen. And then God sends the Holy Spirit to conceive in Mary this Christ child. And then if we pop down just a little bit farther, you're going to see that, that Mary goes and visits Elizabeth in verse 39 through 41. Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. That's verse 39. And she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And this whole event happened where Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb. <clears throat> Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she prophesied and exclaimed that Mary was blessed among women <clears throat> and had a blessed child within her, which was Jesus Christ. And then if you look down a little bit farther in chapter 2, it continues on with God's, with God's development and decrees because here Caesar Augustus issued this decree, and we talked about this two weeks ago, where it ends up that Joseph and Mary had to go down to Bethlehem. And we talked about that, like, all of this to fulfill prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And then if you look at verse 8 in chapter 2, here the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby. And verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, and he tells them where to go, and, and the, the shepherds go down into town and find the baby. And then if you look down a little bit farther, there were two people in the temple named Simeon and Anna who were waiting for the Christ child to be born. And if you look at this account, like at verse 25 of chapter 2, here's Simeon, it says, was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die before he seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, may you now dismiss your servant in peace. And then verse 36, the prophetess Anna the very same thing. And so here in, in all of these accounts, you're wondering who's behind all of this because we know the story and we've seen the story. We've seen everything happen on the text. We've seen the plays and we've seen the videos and we understand the general parts of the account, but we need to be able to look back and to see who's behind the whole thing. And then even if you look in, in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's the whole reality where God met with Joseph and had him accept Mary, and then God led the Magi by the star all the way to Bethlehem, and then God directed Joseph and Mary to go down to Egypt, and, 
And so can we just really look at the wide-angle lens and say, you know, the real star of Christmas, the real one that was behind the whole thing, the real one that planned this thing out detail by detail was none other than God the Father. He was the one that was orchestrating everything behind the scenes. He planned, he initiated, he directed, and he completed the entire plan of Christmas. And, and, and this is the main point. As we read over the story of Christmas, we see that no character was ever reading off their own script. This, this story did not organically make itself up as it went along. The words, the staging, the blocking, the drama was ordained, was orchestrated by a God that is fully in control of the events of our world. God had a divine plan of rescuing us from our sin, and that plan was carried out to absolute perfection. And here's the beauty, through multiple people, over years of action, even from hundreds of miles away, even from different countries, even from different religions, and all to exacting detail, God made this thing happen just as he designed. And there's, there is a theology to the whole thing that I want to give you, and here's what it's called. It's called God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. And what that means is God's absolute rule or control over all the details of the world for his plan and glory. God's fingerprints are over all the account of Christmas showing it's not chance that runs the events of our world. These things don't just happen, but it is by his control and it is by his plan that these things come to be. Here's the reality. The plan of redemption started back in Genesis 3. There were over 300 prophecies of about Jesus Christ all the way through the Old Testament. And God made sure that every single one of them took place as Jesus Christ came to be on that Christmas day. This is called the sovereignty of God. This is God's masterful control and plan throughout all the events of our world. And I want to give us a couple overarching observations from this account that we can use in our lives today. So here's number one. Here's how this relates to us. <clears throat> God is in the details of your life. God is in the details of your life. Now, if I pulled up Zechariah, Elizabeth, the shepherds, Joseph or Mary or the Magi, 
And if I ask them up here on the platform, is God in the details of your life? Guess what they would tell you today? You better believe it. Now, if I brought up one of my daughters here this morning and said, is God in the details of your life? She would say yes, because here's what happened yesterday. And here's the beauty of having five daughters. You have no idea which one this is. They went to the mall. Anyone go to the mall yesterday? It was packed. It was crammed. And as they went to the mall, they went into one store, and then they came out and got in the car and decided to drive around the mall to go to another store. While all that happened, I got a phone call. And it was someone from church. And so I answered the phone, and this person said, what is your daughter's middle name? And so I told them. And they said, I am holding their debit card in my hand. I said, what? And they said, it was on the parking lot of the mall, right where I pulled in to park. And so what had happened, my daughter dropped her debit card in the entire expanse of the mall parking lot, pulled out, went around and parked somewhere else, and just so happened that someone from our church pulled in and parked in that spot and looked down and saw my daughter's debit card and realized it was hers, decided not to have a holly jolly Christmas with it, and called her and gave it back. God is in the details of our lives. Amen? I mean, it's just the reality of it. He's in the details of the Magi and Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth. God is in all the details of our lives. And whether we perceive the details as good, like... We're expecting. Or bad. We have to flee for our lives and go down to Egypt. God is in all the details of our lives. He's there all the way through. And in fact, the challenge is oftentimes that we are faced with are fully within the plan of God and for our good. Oftentimes when faced with challenging details, we usually want God to do a removing job. Just think about it. When I'm faced with a challenge, God do a removing job. When what he wants to do is an improving job in our lives. God, take it, you know, God, take it, change it, relieve it, remove it. And here oftentimes God is saying, you know, I want to improve you. I want to develop you. I want to grow you. You know, as I think about God being in the details of our lives, are there a few things that we can embrace and think about here this morning? Like, you know, with this whole 2020 thing, as much as it's been a surprise to us, 
As much as we're all waiting for the ball to drop, thinking that somehow 2021 will magically bring in something new. None of this has caught God by surprise. God has a plan through this. God wants to grow us through this. I don't know if you know right now, my dad is going through um, radiation and chemo. And God has plans through that. He wants to grow us through that. We ended up sending one of our girls down to Florida right now to, to help care over Christmas break. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a growth thing. And God's growing her and developing her. You know, there's so many, everything God has plans through there may be a victory that's happening in your life or something good for you and god has plans for that there may be a surprise and god has plans everything that comes into our lives every detail of your life god has a plan and a purpose here's the second thing i want to give you that we see from the sovereignty of god and god's plan through even the Christmas story. Not only is he in the details of your life, number two, and I love this, he uses regular folks. He uses regular folks to work out his plan. <clears throat> this is a cool thing. I love, so, I love this about the Christmas story. Because you know they had an elaborate religious system there was royalty and rulers. There were doctors and attorneys and priests and kings and princes and scribes and professors, all of that on the scene. But do you know who God used? Shepherds. Regular laborers. Teenagers. Small town, run of the mill people. And he used them to do the most outrageous, unimaginable, unparalleled plan of saving the world from their sin. And if Christmas were to happen, Today, just think about it. If Christmas were to happen today, instead of Detroit, instead of Flint, instead of Lansing, instead of Grand Rapids, probably it would be in a little town like Mansalona, Buckley. Kingsley may be a little too big city. They got a pizzeria and a car wash, you know? Because God delights in using regular people to do great things. I want to leave you with two things. See God in your details.
See God in your details. We oftentimes say the devil's in the details. See God in your details. He's there in the good and the bad. He has a plan in all of it. And at the very moment when it feels out of control and unplanned, that's probably the very moment you can be assured it's fully in his control. And it's accordance with his blueprint for you. Help yourself go from remove me to improve me. See God in your details. And then number two, desire to be used by God. He uses small town, run-of-the-mill, common folks. You know, desire to be used by God. Don't, don't check yourself off, say, I can't do it. You know, I'm not good enough. You know, he desires to use you and desire to be used by God. And really, Traverse City is, I know we think we're awesome. You know, we think Traverse City is the bomb. You know, we do have restaurants named Sparky's and Willie's Rear, folks, you know, really, you know, really, you know what I'm saying, we, we've got issues here too, you know, we are regular Walmart shopping, denim wearing, snow shoveling people, and God uses folks like us to do some of his greatest, most outrageous mind-blowing, world-changing events, some of his greatest things, yes. People-changing things, yes. With regular people, yes. Folks, that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying for with me, with you, with us at East Bay Calvary. And although the Christmas story is done, God's redemption story is not. And that's the story we're still a part of and active in today. To be a part of the story of God's redemption. To give our world desire to be used by God no matter what our circumstances are, to share his redemption story that Jesus came to earth as a baby to die for us. And he did it with ordinary people in ordinary places to make an extraordinary difference. So would you close your eyes with me? And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing. I know some of what it is because I'm experiencing it too. But God's in your details. And he's sovereign. And he rules. And he's got a purpose. And he wants to improve you. And would you take a moment And thank him for it. 
understand he's sovereign. Submit to his rule and his control. And then also, be very open to being used by him. Desire to be used by him for his redemption story, to share the story of Jesus Christ with our world. Would we talk to him right now in the silence? Father, we thank you that it's not chance. Things don't just happen. It's not fate. But it's you. That things are not purposeless. But that you have a plan, even for our pain even for our surprises and what is unexpected. And use them and use us in your plan of redemption to change our world. Don't remove us, improve us. All for your glory and your honor. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.